Welcome back to the Beats with Kelly Kennedy. And today I have a very special guest whom I'm honestly curious how Dr. Nash and I never met because we have a very similar passion in the lymphatics and cranial sacral. Dr. Nash is a board certified naturopathic doctor who went to a school in Portland, Oregon, and she has 20 years of clinical practice and has worked with thousands of women on hormonal balance, which is, we're gonna delve into that a little bit today. We do wanna talk about that. Um, but she mostly uses uh, this hormone balance without hormone replacement folks. And that's what we're gonna talk about. The body and how it works is not in need of necessarily anything. It just needs to regulate properly. And we're so excited to have Dr. Nash with us. She is an expert really in not only the lymphatic system, but in all of women's health. And she specializes in, is, specializes in digestive disorders, chronic tick-borne illnesses like Lyme and co-infections. We know so much about here on the East Coast. Um, and she really treats all types of chronic illness, again, because of her approach. And we'll talk about where to find Dr. Nash, but if you're looking right now, it's gingernash.com as well as feminology.org. Welcome, Dr. Nash, to the Thank Beats. Thank you so we are much, Kelly. Thank I agree. I can't believe we've never met, especially since we're in the same time zone, which is so nice because it is. There's fewer of us out this way for sure. There is same time zone and same focus. Yeah. So I know that your story has a lot to do with why you became a hormone expert and that I just quoted hormone expert. But the reason I quote that is because that's actually how Dr. Nash and I met. I've heard of her. I've listened to her podcasts throughout the years, different ones that she's done. And it was really interesting because a lot of doctors that I've worked with have said they're hormone experts. Mm -hmm. uh, they work in the hormones, they work in the hormones. But I realized after working with you, in all honesty, that none of them were women. And it was really interesting as you and I started to work with clients ding, together. Ding, ding, ding. I was like, wow, this is very different. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you got here, and then why you ended up dealing with the lymphatic system. Yeah. So way back in the early 90s, um, I was studying the history of medicine in San Diego, California. I was working on a master's degree in the history of medicine, and I was working on a book um, by a woman in the women's studies department about the history of naturopathic medicine and natural medicine in the United States. It's really fascinating. Um, was having problems. I had been on the birth control pill, came off of it, had horrible side effects uh, taking it. And then once I went off of it, my cycles became really irregular, et cetera, et cetera. I just had a lot of, you know, I was 24. I really didn't have the body awareness that I obviously had at a later point in my life, but I just didn't feel good. And my periods were irregular after many months of trying to get to the bottom of it. And I didn't have health insurance either. I was a poor grad student. And this was back in the day when you didn't have to have health insurance. And um, I ended up having a huge uh, ovarian cyst that they couldn't tell. And again, you brought it up first, even it was a male doctor. He had his hands inside me doing an exam and mentioned that there was about a 30% chance that it was cancer, which was just absurd. Like knowing what I know now, I mean, Obviously, even if that were true, that's absurd for somebody to say that to a young woman while they're being examined, but um, he did, and it was not true, but one thing led to another, and I ended up losing an ovary and a fallopian tube and having 
sort of the only epiphany I've had in my life. The day I got out of the hospital happened to be my 25th birthday. And because I was working as a research assistant for this um, professor at San Diego State, I knew that these naturopathic colleges existed. And it was actually back when Southwest um, had just started. I would have been, I did apply there and, and got accepted. I would have been the second class at Southwest if I had gone to that school. But I ended up deciding because of my experiences in the medical mainstream medical model, um, I decided to pursue a career in naturopathic medicine that night I got out of the hospital. I had been, I had been next to a woman who, so I was 24. She must've been 20 years older than me, but she was an acupuncturist and she had friends come into the hospital. She had the same surgery as me. She lost an ovary and a fallopian tube. Her friends came in and gave her acupuncture in the hospital. Wow! And she got out of the hospital in three days and I was there for seven. <laughs> and, and I just knew there was another way, you know, and I knew about these naturopathic schools. So I applied and, and really never looked back. It just felt like a true calling to me. And I was interested right out of the gate in hormonal imbalances, the damaging effects of hormonal contraceptives, the problems with hormone replacement. And, you know, it's not all bad, but that was certainly my experience. And so this was my passion from my own experiences, you know. So interestingly, as our paths have been parallel, I had 30 ovarian cysts burst on me in a course of 10 years. And one started right after the car accident. And I did a lot of research, but I had been on hormone replacement for acne for about five years at that point. In the yeah, I had been on the pill for five years and then I had gotten off. And then it was about a year later that I ended up having the... And that's exactly what happened to me. I had been on it. I got off of it when I went to Cornell because I learned where the birth control pill had been started was to get cows to produce more milk. <laughs> so I started to really question why I was on the birth control pill <laughs> yeah. for acne. And then I got off of it and had a car accident within that same year. I started getting cyst burst. Yeah. I, I just have to say, I know this is like 10 years, light years ahead of where we're at right now, but I've been postulated that the um, ovaries are actually a lymphatic organ for about two decades. I swear that they're going to, because they look like lymph organs, don't they? That's so interesting. Yeah. And I was going to go into another <laughs> 10 year, like your <laughs> jump too, but like the whole, you know, transgenerational health stuff with the ovaries too is huge. And my mom ended up dying of ovarian cancer. I have two sisters that have had gynecological cancers. It's, it's fascinating. There's so much complexity there, but Um, But subsequently, you know, part of the reason that I got into lymphatic uh, health, and that's fascinating, Kelly, about the ovaries. I'm going to be thinking on that for quite some time. You and I are going to have more conversations about that. Um, But I, the cyst was a mucinous cyst adenoma, which are the largest cysts that grow in the body. Mine was about 30 centimeters, which is the size of a volleyball. Wow. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I had to go under general anesthesia, not knowing if I was going to wake up with any of my gynecological organs intact. And I'll never forget the OR nurse was fantastic. She came over to me just as I was coming out of anesthesia. And she said, you did lose an ovary, you lost your fallopian tube, but your uterus is pristine. I remember she used that word and I couldn't even talk. I just remember giving her like two thumbs up, like, okay, good. Um, and I did go on to have a you know, healthy pregnancy and a child who's now 14. And um, for 
you out there, listeners, um, women that have lost an ovary, there's only a very, very small statistical difference in fertility rates with women with one ovary. Um, the creator gave us plenty of eggs. <laughs> so even if you lose one ovary, um, you've, you've still got lots left. But anyway, in the wake of my surgery, it was a long surgery and this mucinous material had been leaking out of the cyst. So I mean, it's questionable whether it was the surgery itself or the material that was in the cyst, but I had terrible adhesion problems for years afterwards. So um, you know, I've started to wonder now with everything I know, whether I also had some endometriomas and endometriosis, cause that's such a difficult diagnose, diagnosis to make. But nonetheless, um, I had a lot of additional work to do on my own health to really recover after that, um, experience as a young woman. And, and by adhesions, you're meaning fascial adhesions, correct? Yes, so I, I became, yep, so I had this huge scar and I'm sure, you know, we could talk for a long time about the interference of scars in the body's ability to regulate itself healthily. Um, so I had this huge scar basically from my navel to my pubic bone and um, I almost had to go back in. It was not doing so well right after the surgery. So thankfully I didn't have to get it reopened and packed like, but it, it was angry and it was pretty toxic after the, the surgery. Um, so I had that to deal with, but then also I had all the muscles cut through and then whatever organs, um, that were involved with the potential, you know, leakage from the cyst. It's like these things can really stick to one another in there. And the fascia is, of course, um, surrounding all these various organs, but then also lining the omentum and lining the inside of our pelvic cavity. And so there's just so much opportunity uh, for regulation and for communications to break down. So you can get pain patterns, you can get inflammation, you know, like I said, you may even develop endometriosis. There's never been any studies around that, but, you know, certainly digestive issues, like that was how they manifested the adhesions for me. Like if my gut ever became unhappy or angry or had indigestion, I would get really bad um, pelvic pain. And so it's really a combination of that experience and then really delving into the fascia and the lymph and really becoming more interested in the lymph when I started using regulation thermography in my practice, which I know you do as well. Yeah. Um, and with your friend Sharon, that was how I got connected with Sharon Stills as well, Dr. Yeah. Stills. Um, and that really helps you evaluate the lymphatic flow and health because there really are no blood tests or other types of traditional testing that really looks at the health of the lymphatic system. Um, and why would you look at the lymphatics? If, if, I mean, we, you have already approached so many subjects, which is exciting. I mean, I want to <laughs> yeah. a little bit deeper in the scars because we actually have not done a podcast specifically on scars, but I think it, it's part of my case. It's obviously part of your case and it's part of many people's cases. Yeah, totally. And I think for so many of our listeners that are like, yes, I have hormonal issues. I mean, we see chronic illness, you do too. So many people have a hormonal component to that. And 90% of the time when we clean up the regulation, the hormonal piece kind of goes away once in a while it doesn't, which is why we still need experts like you working on some of these cases with us, for instance. But why did the lymph become such a piece with the hormonal system? Well, um, 
I have to back up one step before I connect the lymph and the hormones because a huge part of my training um, as a naturopath was in a system of complex homeopathy or French homeopathy or drainage homeopathy. So I was always interested in healthy eliminations from the body. And even though I studied classical homeopathy in school, that was never really made a whole lot of sense to me that just one single remedy was going to, you know, cure the whole case. And I found that people were too sick and patients were too complicated. They needed a more complex approach. So I do use homeopathy, but I use it as a way. Um, I mean, I still use constitutional remedies occasionally, but I use homeopathy as a way to help the body eliminate more effectively or detox. Now, detox and elimination, there's a bit of a, a difference there, but um, but the lymphatic system is the one of the major, major waste management systems of the body. So if our lymph is stagnant and that can occur from so many different things, as we've already touched upon, surgical scars is one of them, but even traumas, accidents, infections, um, all types of things can slow down the lymphatic system and therefore the body is not eliminating at top capacity. So you're basically recirculating toxins, you're not draining the tissues and you're not moving the um, immunoglobulins and immune cells around in the body. So the lymphatic system permeates the whole body and it inter uh, interlaces with the connective tissue in this really delicate way so that it's one of the main things that you can do to get a whole body generative effect. If you improve somebody's lymphatic health, you're gonna improve their overall health, their immune system, obviously, their ability to eliminate, and in some cases, their ability to move um, hormones around in the body uh, adequately. There's um, Dr. Zava who trained me um, when I still lived in Portland the year after I was in medical school. I worked for a company that manufactured um, natural progesterone cream. And there's a theory, um, Dr. Zava is, um, runs um, one of the big labs, and I, I'm sorry, it's escaping my brain right now, but does a lot of salivary hormone testing and hormone testing, ZRT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Z, Z for Zava, ZRT labs. Um, so he postulated that some of the women that would get these negative effects of applying topical progesterone creams was because it overwhelmed the lymphatic and the connective tissue. Um, so there is a thought because the lymph is really attracted to nonpolar substances and progesterone is pretty nonpolar, um, that, it, that it picks up, the lymph has an affinity to pick up a lot of progesterone. And if your lymphatic system is sluggish, you might not be moving your progesterone around in your body. Or if you're, you know, applying progesterone, you might get uh, too much progesterone in the lymphatic system. And I know clinically, I've definitely seen women who are using topical progesterone creams and get really swollen breasts or you know, uh, even some swollen lymph nodes. And, you know, so it's just one of those things. It's a hormone, be, be, be very um, cautious with it. It's not that they're dangerous per se, but it's not like you said earlier, you just want to throw hormone replacement at people when there's other more subtle ways that you can get the body balancing its hormones naturally. And so with the scars, going yeah. back to that for a second, yeah. so you, you mentioned that they can be an interference field and really affect the regulation. So 
let's pretend some of our listeners don't know what regulation is and they don't know what an interference field is. Can you explain that in your terminology? Because even though we have some of the similar training, I'm sure we're going to come at it from a different approach. And I think that's really helpful for people to hear it from two sides. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you should do your definition too, Kelly, because I would love to hear that. You know, it's funny to hear everybody yeah. talk about it differently. Well, yeah. in terms of regulation, of course, the major, major master control system of the body is the brain and the spinal cord and the nervous system. So uh, a lot of what we focus on with health and women's health is no exception, of course, um, and hormones is the brain and the nervous system's ability to send signals properly to all these different tissues and organs in the body. So when we do our regulation thermography, we're doing, we're measuring temperature on the skin, of course, to see before and after a cold stress period to see what the brain and the spinal cord does in terms of its regulation of those various parts of the body. So of course, if you have um, a scar or even if you have, you know, say chronic, I mean, some people have really wicked imbalances in their sacroiliac joints, right? You know, say you're torquing your connective tissue all in one direction. So the connective tissue is really the sort of super highway of the electrical impulses from the nervous system. So if the connective tissue is all torqued and tweaked in a particular place or bound up, you're not going to get that nervous system, you know, connection the way you really want to optimally. And this is, again, another reason why I love craniosacral therapy because it doesn't just free up the lymphatics by working on the connective tissue, but just sometimes working on the connective tissue unwinding is a common term that's used in craniosacral therapy. You're actually gonna allow the brain and the nervous system to um, integrate that part of the body or that organ in a more um, you know, optimal functioning way. So this is subtle stuff, and I'm sure acupuncture does similar things, right? It's just a different approach in terms of the the modality of of you know trying to get the body to shift. Um, and this is why you wouldn't get an acupuncture treatment the morning you were getting a regulation thermography exam because it could change the circulatory patterns of lymph, of blood, and the nervous system's ability to regulate. So. And when you're looking at regulation, that's more sensitive than blood work, correct? Absolutely. So, I mean, and I'm like leading the question, y'all know that because I know that that's the answer, but I want people to start to understand the difference between thermography and, thermog and thermogram as well, yeah. because thermogram is just a picture, not it's just, it's a picture of the temperature of the body. You can either do the breast, you can do the whole body, but it's the body under static. It's the body in a static form right now. And the thermogram tests the body under a stress being standing cold, naked in a room for 10 minutes and then retaking the temperatures. And it's the change in temperatures that indicates whether or not that is appropriately compensating that point. Right. Is and so when you're body has that stress event of standing in your underwear, not fully naked. Yes, not fully naked. <laughs> Just remind people, that. Yeah. no bra, but you not can't. too German, that. just a yeah. little German. Yeah, totally. Um, um, your, your blood and your lymph and all the circulation in your body should shunt to your head and your thyroid gland and everything else should cool. So you really get a window into the autonomic nervous system's ability to regulate. 
And, you know, uh, touching back to something we just mentioned in, in uh, my bio, you know, working as I know you do too with, with uh, tick-borne and other pathogens, um, you see so many people suffering with that with a signature in the head when they get stressed their brain doesn't function well. Their neurological system is, when it's under stress, they're not regulating. They have paradoxical regulation. Their blood to their head actually is lessened so and cools. So there's a tremendous amount you can learn and you're absolutely right. It's more sensitive than traditional blood work in a lot of ways. Um, what I typically like to do is use the thermography as an initial evaluation and then I base whatever blood tests I'd like to run, if any, um, on the basis of the thermography. Um, this is a very different way to approach hormones. You know, I, I know that most of the clients, they, they walk into a doctor, they go, okay, we're going to look at your labs for your, for your TSH with, which is your overall stimulating hormone, which doesn't really give you much information at all. Then they might look at testosterone or estrogen. Maybe they'll do a saliva test, a Dutch test, something like that. Then based upon that one section of just your hormones, they're going to then pull out their prescription pad and they're going to start scripting for hormone replacement. And this is the majority of how people deal with hormones. And you had such a different approach to that whole experience. First of all, yeah. the client that the first client we um, worked on together, you were like, mm, you've only been on that medication for a few months. Mm, I don't think that's the right medication for you. Mm, let's do this hormone. Let's do this herbally and with nutrition. And let's, I mean, she's 16. Let's back her off of the hormone that her body obviously doesn't need. I can yeah. see why the doctor did that because there's nothing else to look at. So he's throwing a dart on the dartboard going, oh, I hope it works. Yeah. And people just want to feel better. And I get it. You know, I'm not judgmental about anybody's no. decisions, but there is a more, in my opinion, subtle and profound and long lasting and meaningful way to address these things. And, you know, if the thermography shows me, oh my gosh, this person has tremendous gut dysbiosis and their small intestine is totally toxic. They probably have SIBO. They need to work on their gut for the clearance of hormones first and foremost. Like, why do you want to give somebody additional hormone if their body doesn't even know how to process the hormones that it's making itself? Right? So Absolutely. The, the interface of nutrition and of drainage homeopathy and of, you know, really working on the body's ability, removing those obstacles to cure, as Hahnemann would say, um, removing those impediments, those interference fields. And I know for you, Kelly, a huge part of your medicine, and I, I love this, is, is the mental emotional piece too. If you've got a blockage you know, a, a, a psychological or emotional or spiritual blockage, um, you're not going to be regulating so hot with that either. So for some people, it is just as um, important to focus on mental health and those types of insults and experiences as it is to focus on infections or, you know, other types of um, stressors on the body. And when you say mental health, do you mean that there's something chemically wrong with their minds? Um, I mean, some people, you know, it's which came first, the chicken or the egg. Some people definitely have those neurotransmitter imbalances. I mean, I happen to be looking at a lot of organic acid testing lately. Um, I'm working with a colleague um, in her endometriosis program, Dr. Jessica Drummond, who's awesome. And she's had every woman um, in the program do organic acid testing. So I've been really um, 
dialing in on that a lot more, but it's funny because it's not like I'm just going to, you know, get out a script pad and give this for serotonin and this for dopamine and whatever. It's the, it comes back to the same thing. It's right. like, okay, so this is the, we are looking at the end point of the imbalances, but what the drivers, what the, you know, you've got to clean everything else up and start at the beginning before you're going to try to target in on, um, you know, either a psychoactive medication or, or hormone medication. Um, and honestly, like, what you said earlier is so true about just, I would be so bored if all I was doing was micromanaging people's bioidentical hormone replacement prescriptions, you know, like, oh, let's give a tiny bit more. And it's not to say again, that some women don't, you know, do really well on them, especially if you are doing a Dutch and you're looking at how the body's metabolizing these hormones and whether you're doing a good job of getting rid of the inflammatory estrogens. I mean, that's always my first question is, okay, if you're going to be on this stuff and you really need it because you have 35 hot flashes a day and you're about to lose your mind, let's see what the Dutch says. Let's make sure that your body is metabolizing the hormones well. And then over time, of course, let's try to wean you off of those, hopefully sooner than later. Um, but you're not, see, I think that's the key. Never start with that. You're not focused just on the hormones, even though we've come to you or whoever has come to you with hormonal imbalance, you're not just pigeonholing. Well, let me just look at your hormones. You're still looking at how does the body regulate? How does the body drain? Are there interference fields? Are there dental influences? Are there yeah. star influences? Because all that matters. And I think that's a key point for people to realize, because I think hormones in particular is something that even as a healthcare practitioner, you know, when somebody comes in and goes, I have hormonal imbalances. It's like, they just want to feel better. It's what you said earlier. They just want to feel better. They don't want to hear that this is going to take two years of cleaning up their lymph and getting rid of their several fillings and getting rid of their cavitations. And then their hormones will regulate on their own. They want to know what can I do now to start to feel better, get rid of my hot flashes, get my, rid of my excess weight, to get rid of my sluggishness, my lack of sleep, my hair falling out, whatever the symptom is, mm -hmm. they want to get rid of but my blood labs tell me I'm great, but I have all these issues in my hormone. I don't reg, I don't, um, you know, cycle well, or yeah. it's too heavy or it's off cycle or whatever. And that is an area that I find a lot of biological practitioners, whatever, uh, functional practitioners as well, get trapped myself included in, okay, well, let's look at the hormonal piece, but it's important to remember that it's always going back to the basics. Do they regulate? Well, does their body go in the sympathetic versus parasympathetic? And can it go back in the parasympathetic? Does the body digest their food? Well, because we can give you all the pills you want, but if you're not absorbing the pills, it doesn't matter, which is why right. I tend to use a lot of right. liquids. Or if you're not, you can give them whatever diet. And if they're not absorbing their nutrients from their diet, you know, if they have low stomach acid or you know, they're not, or they're beta glucuronidase because of dysbiosis. You have this enzyme that, you know, uh, help makes you recirculate the estrogen that you are producing. So that's a contributor to estrogen dominance, which so many women suffer with. So absolutely, you got to start with the basics and then, you know, you get amazing results with just doing some of that, but you're right. Like people do need sometimes more intervention and that's when, okay, maybe we will use a little, you know, liposomal DHEA or bioidentical hormone or something, but 
you know, and there are times too, it really depends on the time. I mean, I'm going through perimenopause right now in the middle of the pandemic. I don't recommend it. It was not a good time, <laughs> um, but you know, it's like the ups and downs, I mean, are real for women and women know that on a monthly basis, but of course there's life stages too. So you have to consider where a woman's at and, you know, how much support her body really needs and what's, what's, what's available to her, what's accessible to her, you know? And I think it's important to note that that psycho-emotional piece, because I mean, we can all as women feel a little bit crazy at times when we don't feel like ourselves because our hormones are running our life. And if we have too much of that hormone laying in our lymphatic system, if we have not enough of that hormone, that can also plague us. And it's important to keep that in mind that it's not just about like you said, giving them the hormone, it's about getting rid of the excess hormone and getting the body to balance yeah. to, to yeah. allow it to find its own rhythm to let go of those toxins. Because that that's a piece that I find as you do, um, Dr. Nash, that so many people aren't necessarily talking about the fascia, the lymph and the cranial sacral system, which for me, like you said, there's three nervous systems in the body, right? We have the central, we have the peripheral, which is what most people talk about, the brain and the brain stem and our fingers and tips and, oh, we can feel the nerves, but we're not talking about the autonomic nervous system, the thing that controls everything else in the body that's deeper than the, than deeper than the, uh, uh, central and the peripheral it's actually rolling up to them and it's telling them with their nerve nervous system fibers throughout the body and it's giving feedback it's a constant feedback system that's allowing the body to go hey this is our stressor externally this is our stressor internally everybody go into the right gear and perform the right mechanism and if that system's off nothing else is going to work properly right. and for some women it's all about you know the entry point is they're not sleeping well they're not getting that time at night when the lymph does drain the brain and when you have that psychic rest and when you have the body's ability to detoxify and regenerate. Uh, for other women, it's like they're not moving their bodies. I mean, what improves lymphatic flow five times, you know, walking, just muscle, you have to, the lymphatic system doesn't have a pump like the heart does for the blood. So you have to have the contractions of muscles in order to move the lymph effectively. So a sedentary lifestyle might be you know, somebody's biggest issue. Um, and so stress. Yeah. Yeah. And everything you're saying, I'm saying everything about the coronavirus going, people are home more outside with less fresh air, sitting more and more stress, which is and on screens more. If they're not sleeping, that's, you know, right. imposing, you know, problems with the whole melatonin and cortisol balance. And, you know, that's another thing too, Kelly, is that, you know, people say, oh, I have hormone imbalances. It's like, there's a lot of hormones. It's not just your sex right. hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. There's cortisol, there's melatonin, there's DHEA, there's androgen imbalances like testosterone cholesterol. and cholesterol and insulin, you know, and um, there's a lot of other hormones that all play a role in the overall balance of the endocrine system. So just thinking that you're going to give one substance is ever, you know, however powerful that substance may be, um, in my opinion, is, is just not going to get a person where they need to be. Um, and it's really figuring out for that individual what the biggest uh, impediments to their getting well really are um, and what, you know, okay, we, we see this regulatory problem. It's affecting these organs. It's affecting this system. 
but um, what's the what's the driver from for what's that? The cause, yeah, yeah. What's the cause. Yeah. And for some women, it definitely is um, more in the mental emotional sphere, and for other women, it's chronic infections. Um, you know, I don't even really believe that it is chronic infections. I also do a therapy called low dose immunotherapy, where it's the more the signature of the infection that's sort of locked into the connective tissue and locked into your system, the regulatory system of the immune system keeps reacting to something that isn't really there anymore. Um, so your body is kind of hypersensitive. You've developed a sensitivity to Bartonella or food allergies or a whole host of different things. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I love the work that you're doing. This biological approach is more comprehensive and it's more taking into consideration the energetics of, of the body. Um, because one of my favorite classes in, um, in grad school in the history of medicine was, it was two semesters long. It was a whole year. I loved it. It was just on the brain. And my professor was just a really, really smart guy. And I'll never forget the first day of class, he came in and he's like, so we have this whole, you know, if you end up taking a second semester, semester two, we have this whole year to talk about the brain. And the first thing I want to tell you about the brain is what we know compared to what we don't know is like a drop in the ocean. So, I mean, it's so complex. Um, so really, you know, looking at what we can, like any information we can get from that major regulatory system in our body, the nervous system, whether it's the ANS or, you know, the central nervous system, like you said, it's going to be a, a great way to try to figure out what, what needs to happen. So this person comes back to balance because that's, what's running the whole show. So the communication, right? Yeah. It's like you said, between the fascia, the lymph and the cranial sacral system, the, the inner communication, the complexity of that all, you know, you've brought up a lot of great points today, Dr. Nash. And I think it's so wise for people to be aware that the hormones that they're chasing are not just their sex hormones. It's their, everything that controls our body is really hormones and amino acids. Metabolism. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything. And, and so to, if, if you had advice for somebody who's listening to you the, for the first time, they've never heard anything that any of us have said before, where do they start? How do they start to go, okay, I, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know scars were influencing me. I didn't understand my regulation system. I have a lot of hormone issues. I'm on five medications, one for cholesterol, one for metformin for type two diabetes and, you know, and hormone balancing. I'm on progesterone and estradiol or whatever. Where do they start? Great question. I have to write a book. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. It's so hard to say because it's really, um, I mean, well, you know, our good friend, our mutual friend, Dr. Schaffner, who introduced us, um, she and I did a, a lymph and hormone cleanse back in July. And that it was, was great. great class. Great so class. It was really started out with like, the basics of what your lymphatic system is, what your hormonal system is, how they interface. Um, but of course, you know, as a naturopath, I would say, you know, your diet, I mean, it's therapy you practice every day. So finding out, and of course, this is a huge question because there's so much information about what a healthy diet is, but figuring out what your individual anti-inflammatory diet is, 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 is a great starting point, moving your body, 
you know, there's so many things for the health of the lymph that you can do that are cheap and accessible, like dry skin brushing and, uh, you know, yoga practices and Tai Chi and just, you know, putting your legs up the wall. I mean, that's, that's yeah, self-massage, um, all sorts of things. So just learning a little bit more about the lymphatic system. I have a couple of articles we can put in the show notes if you want. Um, one about um, the lymph and the female hormone system. Yes, I saw that on your website. I'd love to yeah, get that. Um, you can go to feminology.org, which is an organization, a second business that I started with a colleague of mine who's actually in Philadelphia, and I would love for you to meet her. Oh. She's um, a wonderful naturopath, Dr. Tara Nyack. And um, she and I have a whole section on the website about lymphatic health. Um, so you can get some good information. I also have a Facebook group um, for feminology that's a private group just for women. And there's a lot of information, some introductory information there. Um, I also wrote a couple of guides with um, Dr. Nyack um, about the dangers of hormonal contraceptives. That's a free guide. I also have some information about the lymphatic system in general. So there's not really a definitive sort of book that I could point to. Um, and, you know, following just people that are like myself, like you and like Dr. Schaffner and other people we know that are doing a lot of work in this area, which there aren't that many. But, um, but you are going to start a practitioner series to yeah, teach. Yeah, I would love that. That's my goal for 2021. It was actually my goal for 2020, but you know how 2020 went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everything got detoured. Um, yeah. So next year, I definitely want to do a... Um, a program, an online program with, you know, interfacing nutrigenomics. I didn't even mention one of my other mentors is Dr. Peter Diadamo of blood type diet fame. So uh, that's one of the main ways that I, it's a jumping off point for me in terms of dietary recommendations is I always want to know somebody's blood type um, and for other reasons too, not just for the health of your intestinal tract, but I really want to integrate my love of complex homeopathy and the fascia and connective tissue and the extracellular matrix and how to apply those types of modalities interwoven with some of my nutritional background. Um, so it'll be kind of a, a practitioner oriented course, but you know, I have a lot of savvy patients. I'm sure you do too. I mean, people read and listen to podcasts. And Often they become their own little practitioners because oh, you have to be, and that's the point, right? That's the point is you got to know how your body works and you're in charge. And there's yeah. a lot of great people out there that can give you tons of information, but at the end of the day, it's you that's got to do the work, that's got to make the decision. And it for most of us, we want to know why we're making that decision. And that's what yeah, classes like yeah. this inform us as to why we're making those decisions. Yes. I always include um, people's understanding of what's going on for them as well. Totally, totally. And yeah. try to empower them around their health. So I think that's the, the most important part is to figure out like where to start, like really where to start is to figure out what you feel. Sorry, my dog is barking in the background. Um, the postman must be coming up the drive. Um, really figure out what you feel you need in terms of empowerment around your whole health. So for some women, it's going to be more, you know, a certain type of therapy or heart math or, you know, doing the sound work that I know you're really into, Kelly, and I want to learn more about that. Um, but for some people, it's going to be more about, you know, their liver and their kidneys are not eliminating healthily. You know, for some people, it's going to be more, you know, they have to learn how to cook for themselves so that they can 
So yeah. the point is that no matter if, if your issue is hormones, what Dr. Nash is saying, it doesn't mean that your solution to hormones is all going to be the same. Oh yeah. No, no. everybody's individualized. <laughs> and I go, I use blood type as a jumping off point too. And she said something very, very important earlier that I want to highlight, which is we got to find the right anti-inflammation diet for you. Meaning there is not one diet out there that's great for everybody at all whatsoever, not even close. <laughs> because if you're a different blood type, if Dr. Nash and I are two different blood types, there's going to be foods that inflame her that don't inflame me because of our different blood type. And that's something for people to understand and the phases of life that you're at and what yeah, you're doing. I was going to say, even if we're both type O's and you're, you know, I'm a 25 year old ready to have a baby and you're a 45 year old, whatever. And I'm not history of infections or surgical scars or all these other interferences that we mentioned, you know, so everybody's personal history is also important too. So that is something that I spend a lot of time doing is educating people that there is no one size fits all diet, you know, whether it's low FODMAP or AIP or, you know, the nourishing traditions carnivore or whatever or vegan or you know it's like you have to find out what works for you and that is a process and that i can almost guarantee you it's something that's not very extreme yeah exactly <laughs> it's probably something that like the majority of people should follow and yeah. within it there are no extremes because life isn't about extremes totally it's about averages and gray areas not blacks and whites there's no infinite this is matter of fact good this is matter of fact bad with the exception of you got to move your limb yeah and that's what I was, yeah i mean there's no like perfect diet in a vacuum right it's like all about how it is for you and for so many of my patients more often than not i'm trying to get their systems to be more resilient so they can eat a wider variety of foods they've restricted themselves into a corner where they've become so sensitized to everything and they're eating literally like arugula, you know, or right. a parsnip or, you know, five foods. Right. And so you're right, it's got to be, um, and depending on how sick you are, you know, you sometimes have to do more re restrictive diets, but the guy idea is to always to move you toward greater resiliency, to move you toward a greater ability for your nervous system to regulate the body so that regulate your hormones, regulate your metabolism so that you don't need to be so restrictive. I know you know who Gil Headley is, right? The fuzz speech guy. No. Oh, you got to look him up. The fuzz speech on YouTube. He's awesome. He's like a forensic scientist and he uses cadavers and he talks about fascia, just like how you talked about the body. Like you're looking for a little more movement, a little more movement, a little more movement, not a little less movement, a little less movement. Yeah. About how when he first started doing fascia work, he was a forensic scientist and he wasn't very active in his life. And he kind of walked around like this and then he started doing fascia and he starts moving like this. And it's, it's exactly what you said. The goal of practitioners like myself and Dr. Nash are to help you expand your life, not limit your life. And so many people, when they walk into us are very limited in what they eat and what they can do. Like it cracks me up at some level. Cause they're like, I can't take any homeopaths, but I'm on these six drugs. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Can't take a little well, plant medicine, but I'm going to take afraid of change. It's like being afraid of change. And really, um, you know, for whatever reason, I just 
maybe it was having gone through that really traumatic experience as a young woman, but it's like, I just know that the body has incredible potential to heal if we can give it the right information and if we can get the impediments out of the way. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, you can think yourself healthy. I'm not a magical thinker, um, but it's really important to consider you know, how you're limiting your, the possibilities for yourself. And people are afraid of change. I mean, when I work with people, a lot of times, you know, right out of the gate, they're going to have some uncomfortable sort of shakeup, you know, not to give them huge aggravations or Herxheimer's. I mean, I try to avoid that as much as possible, but there is going to be something that gets stirred up. Yeah. And shifted. And that can be a really comfortable process for people. And that's yeah, our goal to make a shift. But right. You don't right, want to be sad. You're just that's why you're, you know, coming to see somebody to try to get that to move. So okay, fuzzy, what's his name? Fuzzy. The fuzz speech. The fuzz speech. Bill Headley. You're gonna love him because okay. he, he has a whole class. He has like 10 classes on anatomy for free on YouTube that's all about using cadavers. So when and the those of you that want to geek out, you can yeah. find the fuzz speech as well. And when it's safe to travel and come see you, I'm definitely going to come down and visit. And, you know, Dr. Nyaka, like I said, is in Philly. So we, I've been down there a couple times a year for the last couple of years. So yes, I definitely want to get connected with her. When we get off, we want to connect with her, but this has been a wonderful conversation, Dr. Nash. I know that so many people are sitting at home, listening to this or driving, listening to this and feeling like there's some hope that they don't have to be on medications for the rest of their lives. And there's a way to start and you don't have to start fast and hard. You just start. And I, I think your lymph and hormone class that you and Dr. Schaffner did was amazing. I had quite a few of our clients do it. And I think it's a great place to start. Maybe we can yeah, organize we can that. Yeah. We're not everyone, but yeah. to start to clean up their lifestyle, start clean up the, you know, all the things that we know what we can do and then start to make some headway and working with a practitioner or doing some other body centered therapies or whatever the case may be. But we okay. truly appreciate your time today, your expertise. And for those that want to find Dr. Nash, it'll be in the show notes, but you can go to uh, gingernash.com as well as feminology.org and reach out to her if you have any email questions, uh, office at gingernash.com. And she can ask you uh, or answer any of your questions. And if you're interested in being her client, she does work with people virtually. So you, especially in this day and age, yeah. you don't have to be located where she is, but tell them where you are. I'm in New Haven, Connecticut. So, yeah, I have patients all over the country. So it's, it's, one good thing is that telemedicine has been really much more widely accepted and available. So most yeah. of my practice, I'd say about 90% is telemedicine. Oh, wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. And any parting words through telemedicine. So definitely find your craniosacral practitioner locally. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. There is nothing that replicates your hands under your head or your butt to really open that rhythm up. And thank you, Kelly, so much for the opportunity. It's great to get to know you better. And I hope that this has been helpful for your listeners. And I know that we'll be doing more stuff together soon. Yes. Thank you so much. And from our heart to yours, we'll see you next time on The Beats.